Welcome to Season 5 of the Blue Jeans Christian Podcast, where we take the powerful Word of God and make it practical and relevant to your daily life, and especially to your job. Is the environment you work in harsh? I don't mean the weather. I mean the people you work with or for. Would you consider them to be harsh (laughs) or difficult? If so, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to episode 153. And this is actually the second part of a two-part series where we are going over 10 specific things that we can do to help us work in a harsh work environment. Again, this is a second of the two-part series, so don't start here. You have to go back one episode and listen to the first five in the one from last week. Because today we're going to pick up where we left off and begin this time with number six. Jesus is your ultimate boss. You're probably beginning to see the progression that I have these in because each one is a step from the other one, right? Ephesians 6, 7 says, We are to work as if working for the Lord. That helps us look past a difficult boss or company and toward Jesus as whom we are working for. Believe me, it does help. This one is huge, and it needs a lot of attention and almost constant reminder, huh? It's not easy working for these people around us. It's not easy when that customer comes in and you know what he's like. It's not easy when that lady shows up and you know what she's like. But it is a little bit easier to think she wants me to show her Jesus, whether she knows it or not. Or he needs Jesus, and maybe he'll see him through me. And so I'm going to act like I'm working for Jesus. You see, it's really hard also because we live in a self-centered world, trying to be Christ-centered, right? We live in a selfish, self-centered world, and it's hard to be other-centered. It may even be harder to be Christ-centered. But Paul helps us live and work with that contrast by what he said in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11-14, where he says to lead a quiet life, which means don't be part of their worldliness. Don't be part of their gossip or their dirty jokes or their tearing down other people to make themselves look good. Don't be part of that. He goes on to say, mind your own business, which means don't argue with them over their worldliness. Proverbs 26.4 says, don't argue with the worldly arguments of fools, or you'll become as foolish as they are. And 2 Timothy 2.23, and a few verses after that, says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Did you catch that? Especially that last word? If you argue with them, try and fight with them, 
or let their conduct make you so mad you become resentful. And then you are of very little use to Christ. In fact, your demeanor, your attitude, how you are around them, becomes more like them than like Christ. And that resentment goes the other way, too. They may resent you because of what you said contradictory or contradicting (laughs) what they say or live like. Let your love and kindness be evident to all. Become some sort of a confidant or friend with them. And then, as that passage goes on to say, you can instruct them gently in the hope that God will grant them repentance and lead them to the knowledge of the truth. Let them come to their senses. But it starts with your loving kindness. The phrase I like to use is, you attract bees with honey, not a baseball bat. And yes, it probably takes a very long time to get to the point in relationship with your coworkers or customers or your boss that you can instruct them. That's all we're to do. Instruct them. And your relationship has to be such that they will listen to you because they trust you or they respect you. And both of those, trust and respect, take a lot of time, don't they? You're not in charge of righting the wrongs that they do. That's God's job. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So you can take that off your plate. That's a relief, isn't it? And to a certain point, you're not in charge of converting them to Christianity. That's the Holy Spirit's part. That's his job. Let him work on them and convict them. But your job is being a witness, being like Jesus, being Jesus' representative. Did you get that? Did I make myself clear enough on that? Your job, in your job, is not to convert them. It may turn out to be that, praise God, and I hope you're there when that happens. But your job is to be Jesus' representative there, being like him, having his joy, his peace, his hope, his love, his kindness, his compassion for them, having his spirit in and through you. That's more than me saying it. God says that in his word, the Bible. Where? (laughs) Well, a lot of places. Let me give you one. Luke 9, verses 51 through 56. Jesus and his disciples were traveling to Jerusalem, and they went through Samaria. And a couple guys went ahead to the next town to kind of prepare the way for Jesus. And those guys came back saying, They reject Jesus. We haven't even been there yet. And they're saying no. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, here's where you got to pay attention. You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. The Spirit of Jesus is gracious and not forceful, with respect and not fury. We're to be like Jesus and not like those two disciples of his 
which were James and John, by the way, whom Jesus nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Be like Jesus. So much so, and having such a great work ethic and great attitude, that they may come to you and ask you about that, and then you can win them over to the Lord. But if not, you have planted a seed. And remember, Scripture says that some people plant seeds, sowers, and some people reap the harvest. Maybe your job is just to be a seed planter and shown them what Christians are really supposed to be like, which, by the way, is not being judgmental. You get that? How is being judgmental, joyous, peace-like, hope-like? How is condemning someone for their lifestyle and attitude and words joyous and peaceful and (laughs) Christ-like? That's what the Holy Spirit does. Works on them inside. That's God's job. And you're there ready in case they come to you and ask you about that. I'm trying to say that as many ways as I can because many Christians give Christianity a bad name. Many Christians turn people away from Christ by trying to be the Christians that they think they're supposed to be. And they're wrong. Many of them were to be loving and joyous and kind and peaceful, and hope-filled. Got it? Okay, good. (laughs) Let's get back to that 1 Thessalonians passage, where Paul says, Lead a quiet life, mind your own business, and here's the next one he says, Work with your hands. That means when all of that is going on, when they're talking bad around the water cooler or cutting down the boss or you know what I'm talking about just go back to work just turn around and say I gotta get back to work which they don't look down on you for doing and work really well when you do being so good at your job and doing such a great job and putting 60 minutes of work in for each hour that you get paid That those people look at you and your work and glorify your Father in heaven. As Matthew 5.16 says, they'll see you are such a good worker at your job, they glorify God. Because they know you're a Christian and your work ethic must come from God. They don't glorify you. They glorify the God that they see in you. Wouldn't that be cool? And it can be. Number seven, God has your back. Sometimes fear grips us. Fear of being fired, fear of losing your job, fear of not being liked by your coworkers or boss or customers, or maybe even fear of being ridiculed or laughed at because you adhere to a different set of morals than they do. Fear of not being able to pay your bills or the looming increased tax burden. (laughs) These things that cause you to worry, that cause anxieties, that Paul, and especially Jesus, says not to do. 
1 Peter 3, 12-14 says, God has his eyes on you, and his ears are open to you. It says that no one will harm you when you are following him. Yeah, maybe need to read that. 1 Peter 3, 12-14 But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And it says this, And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Why? Because God has your back, and God is stronger and more powerful than they are. God is more manipulative than they are. God is more loving of you than their love for you. Oh, it may be fearful because of a change that might come from any of that, but you will get through it because God is powerful over that too. But you shouldn't be fearful for losing your job or not having enough to pay your bills because God promised in the latter parts of Matthew 6 to meet all of your basic needs. And he even points to the birds whom God feeds and takes care of. And Jesus then looks at us and says, How much more valuable are you to God than those birds? <laughs> Does that give an indication of how much more he will take care of you? How much more God has of your back than he has of theirs? It should. Because he does. Number eight. God teaches you patience. James 1, 2-8 explains why we go through trials and troubles, including a troublesome job, to test and grow our faith in Him and to teach us patience. It goes on to say, it takes wisdom to get through those trials and to grow your faith and to have the patience come out of that. And it also says that we can ask God for wisdom who will give it to us liberally. Patience is the key to dealing with a harsh work environment because it helps us to be most like Jesus and being his representative on the job. Be patient. Give God time and let him work in you and through you. Remember the first seven we've just talked about. And remember, God could be just teaching you patience right about now. See, God is patient, and we are created in His image. And we are to be more and more like Him or like His attributes, His character traits. And if God is patience and God's timing is always better than ours, And it's almost always longer than we want it to be, right? God's timing for things to change or God's timing for us to get promoted or change jobs or something. It seems to always be longer than what we want it to be. That's because he's teaching us patience. Please realize that and pray that God gives you the wisdom to know that and the wisdom and the frame of mind, which comes from wisdom, to get through 
your harsh situations for His glory and for your betterment, which then turns into praise and thankfulness to Him. Number nine, God tests you. A lot of our life, this side of heaven, is a test to see how faithful we are to Him and how to handle what He gives us or doesn't give. You've heard of the saying, a diamond is a lump of coal that was put under pressure and heat. Keep your eye on the diamond that God is turning you into. And yes, I know, it's hard when you're going through some tough trials, right? You can't look past them. It's hard. But you can. James 1, 2 says, My brethren, which is like you and me, or sisterin, if I can use that word, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. Joy? Really? (laughs) That's because we can look past them because we know that God is in control. And God likes to test us, not so he knows how our faith is or our maturity in Christ is, but so that we know so that we can improve. And one of the things that we are trying to improve is our faith. Remember in Hebrews it says, It's impossible to please God without faith. And we want to please God, don't we? So we want our faith to improve. And trials is one way that God allows to come to us so that we can improve our faith because he will prove himself faithful to us. He will work all things out for our good and for his glory. We just need to be able to see that, which is actually joyous. Remain faithful to him. In Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, those guys, you know, there were three of them, and two of them gave God a return on his investment in them. They were faithful to him, and it didn't matter the amount. What mattered was, were they faithful? That was a test, right? And God said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in these little things. I will put you in charge of much more greater things. I think that's an indication of what we're going to be doing in heaven. What he has given us to be faithful at here on this side of heaven will determine what we're going to be doing in the next life in heaven when we transition from here to there. So this situation you're in, this job you're in, the people around you are those customers that keep coming in and annoying you. (laughs) They're a test. They're a test to see how you handle those situations, those hardships. Do you faithfully, with grace and love, will your attitude be Jesus's representative attitude here in front of them? Can he count on you for eternity in heaven because you have shown that he can count on you here? I hope so. Here is something that will help you. Something extremely biblical. 
And this will be a great help to you. Learn to forgive and forget. Matthew 6.14, Jesus said, For if you forgive people their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Do you want God to forgive you? Have you already had God forgive you by what Jesus did on the cross? Then you forgive others likewise. Forgive that boss, daily or hourly if you need. Forgive those customers that are such jerks. That reminds me of the movie Madagascar. (laughs) Remember those penguins in there? Just smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. And inside you're going, I'm going to forgive and forget that and move on and up. Yeah, learn to rise above your environment and be different. More godly, less worldly than those around you. Have a different attitude than what comes natural, right? To get angry and throw up your hands and quit. Or to spout off. No. We Christians forgive and forget. Oh, maybe we learn from, maybe we learn how to, and maybe we learn patience. So we can learn from even those harsh situations. But we don't let them control us. I think God has a term for that. Holy. Be holy, for I am holy. Holy means set apart, different, maybe even above, in some figuratively sense. And as 1 Peter 1, 15-16 says, You are to be holy in all of your conduct. You are to be godly, not worldly, in all of your conduct. At home, when alone, at church, and at work. All means all and all the time. Be holy. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And before we can question whether God loves the world or not, (laughs) John explains in a list what he's talking about. He's not talking about the physical, material world that we can see, which is amazing. But the invisible system that is contrary to Scripture. John goes on to say, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust means an intense desire for the evil things in the world system more than God's system. A priority in life and at work, appealing to the sin nature, which is dominated by, you know, self-centeredness, self-gratification, and feeding pride, which as we all know, God hates. And therein lies the gist of this item number nine. God seems to be testing you in which you love more, the priorities of the world 
or the priorities of him. It's difficult to have his priorities. And as I mentioned, God's things are harder at first, but they get easier. The world's things are enticing and easy at first, but then they get harder. God says we are in the world, but not of the world. We live here amongst the darkness, but are required to be light in that darkness. We do that with the help of the Holy Spirit in us, who helps us and prompts us to live for Him. Learn to listen to that prompting by the Holy Spirit in you, to choose the godly response, not the worldly response, to choose to honor God instead of the lusts of worldly, self-centered, prideful things. In fact, Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Holy Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. We do that in relationships, by becoming friends with our boss, co-workers, or customers. Yep, I said that. <laughs> becoming friends with your boss, or your co-workers, or your customers. He didn't think I did, but I did. <laughs> See, Jesus was accused of being a friend of sinners in Matthew eleven nineteen. In fact, you should go read that and the scripture passages around there. But we all know that he did so to be an influence on them and to lead them to life. His life. The John ten ten life that's more abundantly and to the full. You see, Jesus had the self-discipline to be in, but not of, the world. By the way, self-discipline is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in us, which we will have when we focus more on Him and not on the world. You can read about that in Galatians 5.23. And finally, number 10. Work is hard, but God is good. And as many of you have said, God is good all the time. All the time. Sometimes we worship at the altar of comfort. Yes, our comfort and an easy job without conflict or difficulties rule our minds and hearts instead of God, instead of what He wants for us, and instead of our willingness to be Jesus' representative. Do I need to say that again, or did you get it? Sometimes we worship comfort. And there's a term for wanting ease and comfort more than what God has for us. That term is called idolatry. An idol is anything or anyone or any situation that is more important to us than God or what God wants. Idol worship is a sin, and God hates it. It's one of those Ten Commandments in Exodus 23. That's 20 verse 3. <laughs> Do you have any of this in your thinking or attitude? 
that you want comfort more than bucking up and doing the hard things? Do you want comfort more than serving God or being God's representative there? You see, God decreed that work would be hard as a consequence of the fall in Genesis 3. Yep, there will be difficult duties. There will be long, hard days. There will be sweat on your brow. There will be harsh people. There will be broken tools. And there will be weeds in your fields. But God wants us to work anyway and be his representative in the job he gives us and to the people he surrounds us with. Please realize and accept that. Please also realize he promises to help us. John 16, 7 says that. Look it up. He promises to give us strength. Ephesians 6.10 says that. Look it up. And he promises to give us wisdom. James 1.5 says that. You've probably already looked that up. <laughs> Work is hard, but God is good. And Romans 8.28 and Romans 8.29 goes with it, as a great promise that God keeps. Keep your eye on that promise. And my God will cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you love God? Are you trying to follow his purpose for you, even in the job that is in a harsh environment where you are? Romans 8.29 tells us why he does keep that promise. It says he wants to conform us into the image of Jesus, to be like Jesus. What you're going through is molding you to be more like Jesus, and therefore more and more of a representative of Jesus in the job so you can be more and more of a witness for him and useful for him and have a fantastic job in heaven when you get there. Let me reiterate all 10 of these, okay? God loves you. God is in charge. God works in seasons. And God places the authority that's over you even now. You are God's representative, and Jesus is your ultimate boss. God has your back. God teaches you patience. God is testing you. And work is hard, but God is good. I sure hope these 10 items in this two-part series helps you helps you have a new perspective on the work environment that God has placed you and gives you hope and a purpose while you're there too. Being Jesus's representative where he has placed you, at least for this time being. What's nice about this podcast is you can go back and listen to it again and again, especially the parts that, that you need help with. 
Also, let me know how you do there. And if there are other topics or items in your job that you would like help with, let me know. You can contact me through email kevin at bluejeanschristian.com or visit bluejeanschristian.com where you'll find other resources to help you glorify God through your job or ask me to come do the Blue Jeans Christian Seminar at your church. Now go glorify Him.